Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, good evening. Let's welcome this evening's guest moderator, Eric Cohn. Hello, everybody. It's great to see such an amazing crowd, and we won't let you down. I promise we've got an amazing amount of talent here, so I won't waste too much of your time telling you about it. But uh, this movie that we're going to be talking about, Good Kill, is really extraordinary. And there are a lot of movies out there that deal with modern warfare in different kinds of ways, and this one really struck me as opening up a window into a world that a lot of us seem to understand from afar, but it, it brings it closer in a totally different kind of way. And uh, I'm really excited to, to bring all of these people out here momentarily. Uh, before uh, we go to the trailer, I just want to encourage all of you to check out the other talks that we're doing uh, at IndieWire with the Apple Store during the Tribeca Film Festival. There's a whole bunch of other stuff going on the next few days, and we're really excited about all of them. So we hope you'll, you'll come out if you like what you see today for, for some of those others. Uh, but before we uh, bring out everybody, let's take a look at the trailer for Good Kill. You don't always. You want to know about my job? Right. Good kill. Ladies and gentlemen, the remotely piloted aircraft is not the future of war. It is the here and now. What'd you log? 3,000 hours in F-16. But we've progressed. Let's go to Afghanistan. Fly and fry. Make no mistake about it. This ain't PlayStation. We are killing people. Light them up. Yes. You ever get to, like, fly in a war? Blew away six Taliban in Pakistan today. Now I'm going home to barbecue. He's quiet. Does he ever get angry? Almost never. What happens when he gets angry? He gets more quiet. I am a pilot. And I'm not flying. I don't know what it is that I am doing, but it's not flying. Weapons away, eight seconds. Damn it, what's that? Abort? Run, you little shit. You okay? I feel like a coward. Taking pot shots from half a world away in an air-conditioned cubicle. I don't want you getting gun shy on me. We all pulled the trigger. We both know I pulled the trigger. I just want things to go back to the way they were. I'm okay! We are cleared hot. Light them up. Don't ask me if it's a just war. It's just war. Okay. So, please join me in welcoming the writer and director of Good Kill, Andrew Nichol, and the stars. We have Ethan Hawke, January Jones, and uh, Zoe Kravitz. One, two, three, sit. So, there are so many different things we could be talking about here, but maybe just to sort of put this in context, Andrew, this is not the first movie you've made about war, but certainly it's your first drone movie, and, and drone 
piloting and, and drone-based warfare is something that people have sort of understood in different ways for a long time, but I think you know, what your movie does is it brings us closer to that. So tell us a little bit about sort of your original interest in this topic and the research that was involved in kind of figuring out how to represent it on screen. Well, Ethan Hawke's character um, has not really existed before uh, because he's going to war with the Taliban for 12 hours a day and then he goes and picks up the kids from school and then he goes back. So we used to, when we used to go to war with a country, we'd actually go to the country. That's not happening anymore. We're going to fight remote-controlled wars, and that's what interested me. And Ethan, what, what was your access point for this character? I mean, were you ever, did you ever have the opportunity to see sort of how this piloting system worked? Or? I was, I was, when I got the script, I was fascinated by it because we all read about you know, drone strikes in this place, but I had no kind of vocabulary for what that meant. And really, you know, the, uh, as an actor, I was just drawn to the fact that I haven't seen this character portrayed in the history of war cinema. You know, they, there's a long uh, train of movies before us about telling the stories of warfare. And this is completely unique to our time and a character I hadn't ever seen in the movies before. Uh, and so, obviously, I'd be drawn to that. And Zoe, your character is the other sort of central drone pilot in the film, so, but coming at it from a sort of different perspective. So. How, what was your relationship to, to your character sort of going into this project? Well, I, I mean, I was so attracted to the story because I knew so little about the drone program. And I figured if I know so little about it, that means other people must know a little about it as well. Um, and so I was just kind of learning as I went about the reality of what it all means. And um, I mean, what I like about the story, too, is that it comes from both sides. You know, you understand why people participate in the military and also, you know, why people might be against it. And I feel like my character kind of goes through that struggle, which I was kind of going through as well as I was learning more and more about the program. And January, for your character, it's actually pretty interesting because you're, you're the one main character who isn't actually in the room when these sort of things are going down, but you're seeing it reflected in the way that it sort of, you know, plays out for your husband. So what, what, what was sort of intriguing to you about that character? Well, like Zoe said, I didn't. I knew very little about um, the drone program, and just this it just appealed to me the fact that she knew very little about her husband. He wasn't giving her anything, um, and was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder of sorts, and 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 she was as well. And it just felt like a very heartbreaking love story, and you know, a, a story that I felt was necessary to be told and I was just excited to be a part of it. And the, the, the world that we see sort of unfold here is one that's almost minimalist in a way. I mean, one of the things that I found really interesting when I was watching is that early on you learned that the Army seems to be recruiting people who are good at playing video games. So what was surprising to you, Andrew, about when you were sort of gathering all this information about how, you know, the kind of contrast between going overseas and being involved in the incursion there and, and you know, being on the home front and doing it from, you know, a control. When I was researching it, um, I was, there was one thing that I didn't even put in the movie because I thought it was just too outrageous. Because some of the younger drone pilots would go to the base, they would use this very PlayStation uh, equipment and fight the Taliban from long range. Uh, for 12 hours a day. Then they would go to their apartment off the Vegas Strip and they would play video games. 
And I thought, at that point, how can you possibly separate the two things, you know? It's, you're fighting sort of virtual zombies at night, and then you go to war the next day. It's, it, for me, that was incredible. Ethan, what, what was the like, specific sort of acting challenge of being on the receiving end of, of showing the emotion and the toll that this kind of work takes? I mean, a lot of the movie, you know, we're seeing you basically looking at a computer screen and then reacting to having this God-eyed view of, of people in another world, you know? Well, in a lot of ways, well, to answer that a couple of ways, one is that it was so interesting to have a character who didn't speak um, it's a virtually silent performance, you know. I mean, somebody's very uncomfortable expressing their feelings. And in a way, that's a manifestation of a whole philosophical debate the Air Force is having within itself as manned aircraft is uh, on the auction block, so to speak. We're not, we're not sure whether that's a good idea anymore or how valuable it is or what role it has. And so this is a person whose whole identity was rooted in his ability to fly. And there's generations of aviator, aviators who are in love with this. It's a beautiful, you know, uh, skill. Landing an F-16 at night on an aircraft carrier is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, and there's a huge pride that comes along with that. And now this is this loss of identity for the whole Air Force, um, which is representative of the time period we live in. So I, I found all that on a, on a personal level and on the macro level is extremely interesting to me. January, what about for you? Because one of the things that's interesting about the movie is that you know, your priorities as your character sort of in terms of trying to maintain the family stability and, and the home life are, are sort of at odds for most of the movie with the way that Ethan is sort of thinking through. He wants to be up in the air again and all these different things. He's much more professionally motivated. So how did you sort of navigate the motivations that, that you had to deal with versus his? Uh, well, I think she just, she's... She's happy that he's home, that he's not going away anymore, so that's a positive for her, but she's also just struggling with the communication aspect of their marriage and trying to keep that solid and trying to keep the kids in a healthy environment and just trying to pry out of him any conversation or information from him. She, she sees how sad he is and how you know, much he's struggling, but she doesn't know why, so it's just... Um, a battle, you know, almost starting fights to try to get a conversation. I mean, the line, um, you know, if I didn't start a conversation, we would never fucking have one. I think this, <laughs> first of all, it's from your own life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I think it's true. true for a lot of, you know, relationships that have, uh, that are long-term relationships, but in this one in particular, because he isn't forthcoming at all in any aspect of his job. And where that might be the case in a lot of people that, have these high-profile secret jobs situations she might be partially comfortable with it but not when he's sad and obviously abusing alcohol or whatever you know so it was just that interior struggle I guess yeah and Zoe your character also has a very different kind of relationship with sort of uh, helping Ethan's character deal with what he's seeing because you're you're seeing these things too so how did the two of you kind of develop that chemistry? Because it's very different sort of than what he's experiencing with his wife at home. Um, I don't know, how did we develop that chemistry? I don't know. We just, I mean, we're, it's a very small space that we're in, so. Um. And these two, uh, they actually know what each other is going through. There's no way for January's character to know that. Exactly, and we kind of went through this thing where we shot the film and then we shot the end of the film 
yeah. of, of me saying goodbye to you at the at the beginning, and then by the time we were done shooting, we kind of realized what these two people had gone like the reality of what they had gone through together, and um, it's just something that neither of us could really like fully understand until we kind of went through it together. Um, so I think there is this kind of like camaraderie or something between these two people who are just no one else really understands in their life but each other. You know, they they've been that. through a trauma together. You know, and they, they, you kind of can't put words to that. So we we actually have a clip of the two of your of your characters in, in conversation. So why don't we take a look at that to give people an idea of what we're talking about here? How bad do you miss it? Flying. I miss the fear. You're up in the sky. Something can happen. There's a risk. You know, I mean, try landing in a carrier at night in rough seas, the decks pitching 30 feet, low fuel. We've got no skin in the game. I feel like a coward every day, taking pot shots from half a world away in an air conditioned cubicle. They get lucky they shoot my plane down. I'm not even in it. All you gotta do is pull another one out of the box. Worst thing that can happen to me is carpal tunnel, or I spill coffee in my lap. The most dangerous thing I do is drive home on the freeway. <coughs> it's vodka. Water with it's vodka. <laughs> so, Andrew, when I was watching this movie, I couldn't help but think of your first film, Gattaca, which is science fiction, and this is not. But in some ways, it does carry that. And I think it's, they're actually very complimentary work. So it is exciting to see that kind of come back in, in, in your, from, from you know, your filmography, because it does seem like there's this fully realized world that's alien to, to so many people. I mean, did, you, did, that, did it feel that way to you? I mean, did you feel like you were sort of creating something along uh, those lines? They both deal with technology and humanity and how they intersect. And, uh, which I think is very interesting. Also how they don't intersect. Uh, and just as with Gattaca, there's no right or wrong. You know, genetic engineering can do wonderful things to cure people, but once you start wanting your son to be six foot four and have blue eyes, then you've crossed a line. And the same with the drone program. It can be the most precise um, option we have to take out a terrorist. But then on the other side of it, makes war easier and cheaper and uh, maybe a forever war. So I love the fact that there are, there's an, I don't have any answers, but I have a couple of questions. Well, it's funny, I mean, it's not, um, it's not an outwardly political film in the sense that we're, you, know, you don't hear a lot about the reasons why this war is going on. At the same time, it does feel like a very angry movie, especially in the sense that you know, the, the characters themselves who are involved in the war don't seem to really have a stake in the battle. So navigate that for us a little bit. I mean, how much is this a political movie from your perspective? Well, one of the interesting things about when you say it's a political movie is that the drone program was begun under George W. Bush and it was expanded under Obama. So it's, it's a bilateral uh, program. It sort of has support from both sides. So what are the politics? The politics for me are more about, you know, humanity. And, you know, are you 
it's, I'm not really, it's, it's not, you can't say it's an anti-drone movie because to be anti-drone would be to, to be anti-internet. It's just, they're not going anywhere. Um, so it's just how we use um, the drones. You know, we can use them in a beneficial way or, or not. Oh. I want to go to the audience for questions in a minute here, but I also first want to hear from the actors about the decision to be involved with a project like this. You know, you've all done bigger things. Uh, you've done things that one might call more obviously commercial, let's say, but this is a different kind of risk. So talk a little bit about the decision to take on a project like this, something darker, something a little bit more uh, challenging in various kinds of ways. And, and you know, what, what's, the, what's the thinking process like for you when you, when you choose to take on a project like this? Starting with Ethan, Who wants maybe. to go first? Well, I, I, I mean, it comes back to just the, the story and the, the um, knowing so very little about the drone program and um, not knowing the, just the things that, the, the psyche that goes into being someone who is a drone pilot or, or the, the politics or non-politics of it and just the facts of, you know, not being as aware as maybe I should have been and thinking that it was just important to be a part of, a, um, of the story being told. This is pretty simple. Part of the role of the artistic community in any society is to start conversations. You know, and if people don't have the vocabulary to discuss certain ideas, you gotta give them the vocabulary. And the way that most of us understand warfare is through storytelling. I mean, most of us wouldn't know anything about the Vietnam War if it weren't for the books and movies made about it. And, and uh, on down the line and so this is there's a new weapon and, and uh, new events happening on the international battlefield and for us to know how our country is spending our money to know what we're asking our brothers and sisters and our sons and daughters to do you know what there needs to be a dialogue about it and so for me the idea to be in the movie is incredibly easy just as from an acting point of view which is that you want to associate yourself with serious writers and directors and Andrew um, you know Gattaca's one of my favorite movies I've ever been involved in um, uh, Lord of War, In Time, Simone all of uh, Andrew's movies are full of ideas and they're thought-provoking and challenging and he's an exciting filmmaker to work with and so we're only as good as our opportunities you know, so Zoe, would you? I did it for the money. For the money, <laughs> yeah. Somebody had um, to go there. <clears throat> no, I mean, um, first of all, yeah, I was really excited to work with all of these guys, and, and Andrew is so talented, and, and like you said, he's known for his sci-fi, and the script reads like a sci-fi script. Even and though then, it's actually a period piece, because yeah. it's set in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that piece. it's not is just kind of what makes it so interesting. And, yeah, that's and, like, the mind-blowing part of it. Had, you read this, had I read this script, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, it would have been a science. It, it George just, Orwell, it would have seemed yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. And now it's like, this, isn't, this is real. And then, and then that brought me to realize how little I do know about what's going on, which, again, made me think, if I don't know a lot about it, that means other people just don't know a lot about it. And so it's an important story to be told. Um, and then I also, like I said before, you know, he really didn't, you know, <clears throat> there's no one side that's being kind of hammered into the audience's head, which for me was really interesting, especially with my character, because, you know, I'm a very peaceful person. I'm like, you know, I, it'd be very easy for me to be like, you know, no war, no drones, but he really makes you look at both sides of everything, and um, I think that's why it's a really special piece. So we've covered a lot of ground here, but I'm sure there's lots of questions from the audience, and we have somebody with a microphone going around. Um, first off, I'm a student of the craft, so... Ethan, I just want to say you are 
such an inspiration and as much a teacher as you are an actor outside of your films. Appreciate that. How comfortable is it for you to jump back on the boat uh, with Andrew? So many, such a huge gap. In, in well, Andrew really needs me. You know, he's kind of, he was kind of at sea in his life and I taught him uh, <laughs> that, you know, uh, it's so, whenever, you know, whenever somebody can write, acting becomes really easy. You, you know, and when somebody can't write, acting is really challenging. I always like to say, you know, these kind of jobs are really easy. What's hard is to be in an episode of Matlock, you know? I mean, uh, so uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Not that Matlock isn't well written, okay? <laughs> I, as in, you know, I, I mean, the later episodes, the early work was incredible. Um, I'd just love to know what the spark was for this film. I don't believe any of you would have aimlessly gone into a project like this. Like, what was the connection to the story? How did it come about? What's the spark? Um, for me, the spark was Ethan's character, really, because it's, this is a new schizophrenia that we've uh, never... We, it's never existed before, where basically you go to war at home uh, so for me, that was so interesting. You know, what is it going to do to a soldier if he's if he's literally going to go to war for 12 hours a day and then go home, pick up the kids from school? And for me, that was very interesting. It sounds like Ethan's character was an actual pilot, IRL, and then he became this drone pilot. I'm wondering if there's anything brought up in the movie that talks like looks back or speaks to the relationship between the couple like did he used to be forthcoming with feelings and have did they have a good relationship at first that kind of deteriorated as he became more I'll say droned <laughs> we don't really know I mean no I well I think I know no um, <laughs> uh, because you know there's a line that even your character says, well, you know, we used to have sex in every room in the house, you know, and that's not happening that anymore. <laughs> but, you know, so I think that, yes. F-16s create a lot of sex. <laughs> Everybody knows that. And your, and your first date with her when you take yeah, it. Was, yeah. It, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of it is also the death of flying that for me, this film. Uh, he's sort of grieving the loss of flying, um, which is a, a common thing for these drone pilots. They are ripped out of a cockpit and put in this box and that's where they go to war now. They sort of promised, oh, we just do one tour and we'll put you back in a plane. But that's not gonna happen. Um, there's a lot of fascinating psychological implications as well as uh, futuristic implications. Were there any conversations that uh, dealt with uh, the future results of this, the, imp uh, the implications of this film and what will happen further on with war? And did you guys get a chance to engage with a lot of uh, people that are actually doing this? Were there a lot of sessions talking to them? One of the great things about working with Andrew is, is preparation is extremely meticulous. And he brought in two drone pilots that walked us through a, a, a rebuilt G, uh, UAV trailer. And uh, so we got a lot of an education on what that was like. What was the first part of your question? And also the futuristic. You know, the Predator is this huge weapon on the battlefield. It's a huge toolbox in the national arsenal that's it's changing it as much as any kind of movement in weapons have. You know, like when 
you get rid of the horse or something. I mean, it's, it's a game-changing tool, and how it's used, it's, a, it's, an, it's worthy of a serious dialogue. What will happen when everyone has one? You know, right now it's kind of a wonderful tool when we're the only one who has it, you know? Yeah, but it really is in its infancy. I mean, this is just the beginning of drone warfare. And so in some ways, the movie should be something of a cautionary tale of where, what it's gonna do to not just the people who are targeted on the ground, but the targeters, like Ethan and Zoe's character. It's a very telling contrast to American Sniper. In that respect. Well, this is the ultimate American Sniper. <laughs> you don't even go there. You stay at home in Vegas. And so, a thousand yard shot is not so impressive when yeah. you can do it. <laughs> yeah, this is 7,000 miles. Yeah. Actually, you guys just went towards my conversation. I was going to compare the film, obviously, to something like American Sniper. Um, and Ethan just spoke about creating a conversation and a dialogue and finding that vocabulary. So what were your hopes to, you know, what kind of dialogue are you looking to, to bring to this forefront when it comes to modern warfare, in a sense? Because it can go into ethics, humanism, the struggle of the character study that Ethan has uh, along those lines. So just wondering, you know, where, where we're looking at on this, on this forefront. Uh, well, whether you think you're for or against the drone program, uh, you should know what's being done in your name. And so that's, for me, that was the most interesting thing. And I was educating myself in making the film, just to know what, you know, what are we asking our soldiers to do? Hi, my question is for Zoe January and um, Ethan. Um, diving into a character that's going into in through such dark times, I mean, Ethan, um, from what I saw from the trailer, your character's job is to go and kill people for 12 hours a day. You know, that, ha that has a huge effect on you as a, as a person. Does that change you as an actor or even as a person where you have a whole new perspective to deciding getting into this locked mindset? Um, does it have like an emotional um, effect onto you as a person? Well, one of the things I think is, is somebody who works in film that's a really interesting moral question is, you know, whenever you tell a story and photograph it, there's a real tendency to, to glamorize it or fetishize it. You know, often when you see a, a, a violent movie, people often say, oh, it's anti-violence. But really, it, it's a good question to that because it makes it look so appealing and interesting and exciting and uh, worthwhile and... Uh, one of the things I really appreciated about this script was it gets inside it from a personal point of view and you really feel the impact of the small minutia of what it means to involve yourself in that and, and the effect on your, for lack of a better word, you know, your soul. You, you know, where, what are you, in what ways are we all participating in this? And I find those really interesting questions. Um, and sometimes you have to take... Uh, you know, hurts for the greater good. But to do that, you have to have a real honest dialogue about what the greater good is. And are we telling the truth to that? You know, as soon as you start naming bad guys, you have to be sh pretty sure you're the good guy. Yeah, and I think whenever you take on a role, um, just as an artist, you hope it changes you in some way. You want to be, you want to learn something, you want to grow, and you want to, you know, grow as a person, an informed person, hopefully, and just grow as, you know, in your craft and, and, take risks and be inspired and you know this was a perfect a perfect story to tell what it would definitely be life-changing and hopefully hopefully just open up a conversation um, for me yeah I mean I feel like as an actor or as anybody we're all kind of desensitized in a way you know for people who 
watch television and see the internet and read a script and you're like okay and then they blow a bunch of people up and then what happens and they have lunch and then you know we all are kind of desensitized the same way that these drone pilots are so for me the experience of living these moments and um, dissecting these moments um, made it all very real for me and it gave me that compa compassion and that pain in a really beautiful way. Well, the movie screens tonight at the Tribeca Film Festival. It also opens theatrically May 15th. And believe me, it's as good as they make it sound. So I hope you guys will all check it out. Thanks for being Thanks here. Thanks for having Thanks us. For Thanks for coming, everybody.